Grace and mercy and peace to you this morning from God our Father and from Jesus our Savior too. Today we have in front of us something that's just horrible, the, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And before you just ignore that or go too quickly, think about what that means. Hardened not against another person or the love of his life, hardened against his, hardened against God. That'd be bad enough if it was just Pharaoh, but the Bible uses Pharaoh as an example, not just for him, but for others too who reject God in unbelief. That's something that can still happen today. It does, it does still happen today. And you say, why? How? So today let's go back to Exodus 7 and look at the heart of, of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh's in Egypt. You probably know things like that, the pyramids. That's actually a long time before Moses, way back in what's called the Old Kingdom of Egypt. The pyramids were built. Uh, go on to the next phase of Egypt's history called the Middle Kingdom. That's the time when Abraham and Isaac and Jacob lived. Jacob's sons sold their brother Joseph down to Egypt as a slave. God was at work to make Joseph the second most powerful person right after the Pharaoh then. He brought the Israelites, of a group of about 60 or 70 at the time, down to Egypt to avoid a famine and that's where they lived, starting in the Middle Kingdom. Middle Kingdom fell apart, and there was a period of uh, political instability. After that came out, so now we're in the New Kingdom of Egypt, the Israelites had grown into a nation of about two million people. This is about 400 years later. A new dynasty of pharaohs came to power who had forgotten about Joseph, and they enslaved God's people there in Egypt. So now we're in about the 1500s BC when Moses is born. God's people are praying and crying out to him as they suffer there in slavery. And God listens and he hears. And God says he is going to send Moses to be the one to lead the people out. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. He then left and came back. And the message he had was, let my people go. Now in the reading today we've got Pharaoh, which is just a title, kind of like king. And don't think of him as just this myth or some nameless person. He was a real guy. Now, people will debate when the Exodus happened, the leaving of Egypt. Uh, most people that I know in our church would say about 1446 BC is when the Israelites left Egypt. If that's the case, then the Pharaoh that Moses is talking to is probably that man. His name is the Third. And so as we jump back into Exodus 7, that's the background, and if you've got your, your paper worship folder, turn to page seven. Otherwise, I'll put the key verses up on the screen. Moses and Aaron approach Pharaoh, and the message is, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, well, why should I listen to you? Show me a miracle. And God had given them miracles in case Pharaoh asked. So Aaron, Moses' brother, throws down his wood staff. It turns into a snake. I don't know what kind of magic Pharaoh's magicians had, but they were able to also recreate some kind of snake. But Aaron's snake ate theirs up, showing that God is more, more powerful. So Pharaoh now has heard the word of God. He's actually seen a miracle with his own eyes. And here's the reaction then in Exodus 7, verse 13. We read this before. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. Right in the face of the word of God, even in the face of a miracle, Pharaoh's heart becomes, becomes hard. You say, why? Why wouldn't Pharaoh want to listen? Now, this 
passage doesn't give the reasons why for Pharaoh, but knowing him and other people who reject God, it probably came down to that he did not want to listen. The message of the word of God was not what he wanted to hear. Here he is, one of the most powerful men in the whole world, leading the Egyptian empire, which has already existed for like a thousand years. Is he supposed to now let 2,000 slaves just up and leave? What's that going to do to the Egyptian economy? What's that going to do to his legacy? Uh, The other word the Bible uses along with a hard heart is a hard neck. Picture being, rather than bending your head down to bow to God, there are people who want to keep their necks up high. They refuse to bend or yield. And maybe that was part of Pharaoh's heart too. He did not want to have to humble himself before this foreign God, to him who was foreign. He did not want to have to admit that he had to give in to somebody else, and so Pharaoh's heart became, became hard. And you see this other places too. So if we go to John chapter 6, which was the gospel reading for today, the people have been listening to Jesus, and here's their reaction. On hearing it, what Jesus said, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now that's a rhetorical question. The answer is, in their minds, nobody. Jesus, what you say is so offensive, nobody in the whole world would ever want to listen to you. Who could accept it? So if I leave you, I'm not being weird. I'm just doing what everybody else would do because your words are so hard. And the word that's in John chapter 6 is not so much hard as opposed to easy, it's hard as opposed to soft. The same kind of picture of hardness of of heart. But if you look at the people in Jesus' day, when they called Jesus' words, God's words, hard, what they were doing was trying to shift the blame. It's not my heart that's hard. It's your word, God. Your word is the problem here. My heart would be open to, to, to believing your word if it were not so so hard. This is a hard teaching. Who in the world could ever accept this? And that same kind of attitude can be in people's hearts today. There are times when as a pastor, I'll be meeting somebody and they say, I want to hear what you would say as a pastor. I want to know what God would say. And I know what they need to hear, but before I say it, part of me is thinking, do you really want to know? Because this isn't probably what you want to hear. And sometimes there are people who believe the word of God, but other times there are people where when they hear what God's word actually says, they're surprised because it wasn't what they were expecting. There are a lot of people, and I'm not excluding myself here and probably not you either, that when they open the word of God, what they're really hoping is that it will validate what they're already thinking. That it will say just what they're expecting that it will say what you're doing and believing that is just right. There's nothing that needs to change about you. It's everybody else's fault. But believe it or not, the word of God doesn't say that. Often the word of God is going to challenge who we are to such an extent that if you would believe the word of God and hold on to it, if the word of God would shape your life, that's not going to be just something on the surface, some little minor things to rearrange in life. It's it's going to change the core of who you are. So back in Exodus 7 and Pharaoh, if Pharaoh would listen to the word of God, let my people go, 
that would hugely change him and, and Egypt. And Pharaoh, rather than believing and listening to the word of God, he hardens his, his heart. Now, Pharaoh's a good case study if you want to say what does hardening the heart look like because we can't see inside the heart. God can, but we can't. But the book of Exodus tracks Pharaoh's reaction in his heart throughout the ten plagues that followed. And so I want to throw up on the screen all the passages that talk about what happened in Pharaoh's heart as Moses kept speaking the word of God to him as he kept seeing these, these miracles. And I want you to look for two things as I put the passages up there. One is, what does hardness of the heart look like? And the second one is there's a progression. If you look carefully, there's a change that happens from the beginning to the end in the passages about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. So let me go back actually before chapter 7. This is chapter 4. God predicts what's going to happen in the end. The Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do, but I will harden his heart so he will not let the people go. Same chapter as before, but again, a second prediction. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Third passage is the one that we had today, chapter 7. So this is after seeing that miracle. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. Now the ten plagues start. First one was the Nile River changed to blood. Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Plague two was frogs. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. Plague three was gnats. The magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not listen just as the Lord had said. Plague four was flies. But this time also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go. Plague five, a lot of their their livestock died. Pharaoh sent men to investigate and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. Six, there were boils, painful sores on the people's skin. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said to Moses. Plague seven, natural disasters, storms that destroyed the crops. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Plague eight was locusts. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the people go. Plague nine was darkness. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Then there's a summary after all the plagues. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. Plague 10 finally broke Pharaoh. It was when the firstborn, including his own son, died. He let the people go, but his heart still, that didn't mean his heart was any softer. Here's one more time. Just before he sent his armies after the Israelites, it says this, 
the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. If you know what happens next, Pharaoh's whole army drowns in the Red Sea. So what do you learn about hardening of the heart from Pharaoh? One is hardening of the heart is this repeated and just unyielding, I will never submit or listen to God. I don't know about you, it almost gets kind of old, doesn't it? Reading all those one after another. Again and again and again, no change at all in Pharaoh's attitude towards, toward the word of the Lord. And you think 10 plagues, if there had been 100 plagues, if there had been 1,000 plagues, would that have made any difference? Uh, it seems not. It doesn't matter what God would have said or what God would have done. Pharaoh's heart was, was hard. The second thing, this is what I told you to look for, is a progression. Did you see how it changed? So in the predictions before, God said, in the end, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, but it didn't start with God hardening Pharaoh's heart. The first five plagues and the passage we had today, so six times in a row, it's not God hardening Pharaoh's heart, it's Pharaoh hardening his own heart. Pharaoh made his own heart Hard, and then it switches. It's at plague six, the boils, where then it says, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Which I think is the worst part of this whole discussion is that God can actually harden someone's heart even further. That in his judgment, God can say, you are rejecting me, you don't want to hear me, you want to harden your heart, fine, I will help you with that. I will help you with what you are already doing. You are making your heart hard. I will make it even harder. So plague six, it shifts to the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. Then it goes back and forth. Again, Pharaoh and his officials harden their hearts, but then it shifts all the way onto God's side. Plagues eight and nine in the summary, it's the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart heart so that in the end Pharaoh's heart is so hard it will never soften again oh and the results for Pharaoh if anyone would harden their heart against God if you butt heads with God you're not going to win the result of Pharaoh's hard heart was his son died in plague 10 again we don't know for sure that it was Tutmosis the third although looking back in archaeology in Egypt there's a reference to his son in the 1550s BC, about 10 years before the Exodus. His firstborn son's in an inscription, and then he disappears. And when Tutmosis III died, it was his secondborn son who had to succeed him. Again, I don't know that he was one for sure, um, but that would fit. And it wasn't just that his firstborn son died. Land of Egypt, this great empire, was devastated by 10 plagues. His entire army was annihilated in the Red Sea. And from all I know in the Bible, Pharaoh spent eternity then. His soul was destroyed in hell. Uh, there's, there's no happily ever after for, for Pharaoh. And so throughout the Bible, there's this warning that God gives to his own people and to everyone that says, be careful that you do not harden your heart against the word of God. Let me share with you two of those warnings. Here's one from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 28 verse 14 says, Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, 
but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. And considering everything that happened to Pharaoh, trouble is is quite the understatement, isn't it? Uh, If you harden your heart against God, uh, you can expect that's what's going to come. The New Testament, here's Hebrews chapters 3, starting at verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, he's quoting Psalm 95, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And the reason these warnings are in the Bible is that's not what God wants for anyone. God didn't want Pharaoh to harden his heart. He doesn't want you or me to harden our hearts either. Can God, does God sometimes in judgment harden someone's heart when they harden it against him too? Yes, he does, but what God wants is not that. What God wants is for people to believe in him and live. And so along with these warnings in the Bible about God hardening hearts, there are also passages about how God can take a hard heart and make it alive again inside. My favorite one is from the prophet Ezekiel. This is chapter 36. God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of heart of flesh. It's not one or the other, it's both. The God who hardens is the same God whose spirit can be at work inside a heart and make it living and and, and beating again, not just physically, but spiritually alive and trusting in God and his his word. That's what God wants. And so as you, you look at Pharaoh, this gets at one of the big theological questions people have always wondered. The question is, why is it that some people are saved Why is it that some people, other people, aren't saved? Now, I don't have time to get into all this really deep, but here's what I'll often show people if they say, how do you answer that question? So the question's on the left. Why are some people saved? Why are other people not saved? The answer that we're going to give in the Lutheran Church that I believe fits with the Bible is this. To that first question, why are people saved? That is entirely the grace of God. That he is able to work in our hearts through his spirit and create faith there. Uh, If you believe in Jesus as your Savior today, that is entirely the work of God in you. Other question, why then are other people not saved? That's a fault of people. God didn't want Pharaoh to harden his heart. He doesn't want anyone to harden his heart. But people reject God's word and fight against him and harden themselves against him. Now you're probably looking at the other two columns. Uh, Whether or not you're aware of this, there are other branches of Christianity that will answer this differently. John Calvin lived after Martin Luther. He actually said that God wanted Pharaoh to be damned in hell forever, that God wanted Pharaoh's heart to be hard. Uh, That'd be that bottom box there. Uh, And that's horrible. That's not what the Bible ever says. God does not want people not to be saved. God wants everybody to be saved. But the third column then, there was someone who reacted against Calvin. His name was Jacob Arminius. He said, it's not God who decides that people go to hell. That's people's own decision. But then he went too far the other side and said, if people are saved, that's because they made the decision to believe. 
Uh, And that's a side that doesn't fit the Bible because Jesus says, nobody can come to me unless the Father draws them. That's why as Lutherans, we've always held on to that first set of answers there. If somebody believes in God, that is the work of God in their heart. If someone rejects God like Pharaoh, that is their own fault for hardening their heart against God. And so now if I bring it to you and me today, what message from God do you need? How are you and I going to react when we meet the word of the word of God? Uh, now the reality is I sometimes too want God's word to fit with what I'm already thinking. Maybe you feel that way sometimes too. But if I think about it, what good in the world would that do me at all? What good would that do if I stepped up here today and told you everything you already knew, everything that you already were expecting? Uh, You might as well just go talk to yourself then, right? You might as well just say, let me get some people around me and they can tell me what they think about God and it'll all be right. Uh, No, what we need from God is for him to break into our world with a message that is, is different, completely different that shatters our misconceptions, our preconceived notions, that changes the way that we look at ourselves and the way that we look at him. But that's not gonna be something that's easy for us. Our sinful nature is not gonna wanna hear that. And so the reality is the word of God is going to challenge us. And I'm hoping you've already found that for yourself, that sometimes the best things you hear from God are the hardest things, the things that aren't what you already knew, that don't fit with what you believe, that don't fit with how you live, because that's the word of God that needs then to change you and me. And as Lutherans, we talk about that as law and gospel, and both of those can be really, really hard. The law is the one that comes to mind for a lot of people, because God says, this is what's right, this is what's wrong. You are sinning against God, you are on the road to hell, Repentance and, and changing and turning away from sin, a lot of people say, no, God, I don't want to hear that from you. I'm going to keep going with what I'm doing. That can be hard to hear the law of God. But actually, the gospel isn't, isn't easy either because the gospel challenges us because it seems too good to be true. So when you have sin and you feel really guilty, The idea that God just forgives fully and freely in Jesus, a lot of people say, no, that can't be true. That's too hard. How can I believe that? There are people who are in the deepest, darkest valley, even the valley of the shadow of death. And then God comes with his beautiful, gracious promises about how he's by our side, about how there's life forever, how we don't need to be afraid. But for our sinful nature, again, that is a hard word of God to hear because we don't see God at our side. We don't see heaven open yet. All we see is the darkness. Uh, Holding on to God and his word, even the gospel, it, it, it challenges us to think differently and believe differently than we would without without him. And yet God is able to take stony hearts and put in us hearts of of beating flesh. And that's what you see throughout the Bible in God's people. Yes. There are those like Pharaoh who harden themselves against God, but there are others who through the Holy Spirit believe and hold on no matter what. So if I go back to John chapter six, everybody's leaving Jesus. His popularity is crashing and he says to the 12 disciples, you don't wanna leave me too, do you? 
And he gives that question a nudge toward the answer no. Can you see it there? He, do, he doesn't want them to say yes. He wants them to say no. You're not going to leave me too, are you? And here's Peter's answer. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Where else would I go, Jesus? Where else would I go? You have words that are words of eternal life. In Jesus is a message of forgiveness because he died on the cross. In Jesus is a message about resurrection from the dead and life forever in heaven because he rose on Easter. In Jesus, like like Peter says, is a message that God came down and joined himself with our humanity because he loves us that much that this man Jesus is also the Holy One of God sent to be our Savior. Peter says, I believe all of that about you and so why in the world would I go to anyone else? Where else would I go? You have the words of eternal life. And so my prayer for you and for me is this. As I look around in this world, are there people who have hardened their hearts against God or are hardening their hearts against God? Even those who have believed but are leaving Jesus behind? Yeah, and I share the concern of many in our generation that this is happening more and more. But even if other people turn their back on God, may that not be us. Instead, may God the Holy Spirit work in our hearts so that rather than hardening our hearts with Pharaoh, like Pharaoh, we hold on to Jesus no matter what, and we find in him, we find the words of eternal life. Amen. Let's now all rise as we confess our faith in him.